Well, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad you're here. My name is Matt Wolf. I'm the lead pastor here, and today is going to be a good day. Woo! Yeah, it's going to be good. And on your bulletin, it says we're in week one. We're actually in week two of the Belong series. I just wanted to make sure you were paying attention. Not really, but take some notes there if you want in your bulletin. We're going to be in week two. A couple other exciting things going on. We, with, with our your giving, we support a church plant down in Colorado Springs. I don't know if you remember Josh Allen. He came and preached a year and a half ago. He's a friend of mine. He planted a church down in Colorado Springs. Well, today, this morning, is their one-year anniversary, uh, one-year birthday, I guess. So that's exciting. Thank you guys for praying and, and giving and supporting them. So I was excited about that. I talked with Josh for a long time this week, and exciting things are happening there, great things. They're kind of ahead of schedule. You know, you have kind of a plan in their head, which is awesome. They're doing great things. We support church plants because I saw a statistic this week that said that the churches being planted and started right now are a quarter of what is needed just to keep up with population growth in our country. So meaning we're falling behind population growth, let alone not make, I mean, making inroads into the lost community so that more people can know Jesus. So we've got some work to do. So not only are we going to be supporting Hope Colorado Springs, but I'm sure a lot more church plants in the future. Got that? Good. Okay, some exciting things happening here. Um, we talked about baptisms in a couple of weeks. I want to dunk you. Um, we have next week, yeah, I do. Uh, next week we have a family worship service, a family worship service. And what this means is we want the kids in here with us for that service. We do that a few times throughout the year, and they're going to be here for the whole time. We're going to have a special message that's a little bit shorter yeah, that's going to be good. It's some special things just for the kids. It's going to be a blast. You're going to want to be here for that family service next Sunday. Um, also, uh, uh, another thing happening right now, we have a, uh, an extra podcast here. Not only do we have the audio from the messages every Sunday morning that you can subscribe to or find at staplesonchurch.com under the media tab, but we also have a podcast we call The 10,000 because there are 10,080 minutes in a week. And you spend 80 minutes here. Well, what about the other 10,000? That's what this podcast is for. So Sawyer, Pastor Sawyer and I do that podcast together. Well, we started season two this last week. It goes deeper into some things that we talk on Sunday morning, and we answer any tough questions you can throw at us. So check that out. Subscribe to that as well. It's a short podcast that you can supplement um, your growth and, and following Jesus throughout the week. But today we are going into week two, part two of our Belong series, because we all long to belong. We have this desire in our heart. We need belonging, especially we need connection. And in our day, it is harder than ever. It really is harder than ever that we've never been more connected, yet we've never felt more alone. And I think one of the problems that caused that is because we are so busy and we're so distracted. And they kind of go hand in hand. We're busy and distracted, aren't we? And I think our technology that we have today, everybody has a smartphone in their pocket. You're always connected. Um, on, on the internet, but yet that makes us feel more alone because we're so distracted by those things, aren't we? Man, you have so many notifications and buzzes and tweets and Instagrams and Snapchats and Marco Polos and TikToks, whatever that is, and all this stuff that's at you all the time and always distracting us, isn't it? We work more hours in America today than ever before in our nation's history. And then on top of that, we go home and we check our email and we work, and we go on vacation, and we bring our laptop to the beach. We're at the pool checking email from our bosses. We're always on all the time, aren't we? There's no rest for the weary because we're always so busy and distracted. And I think because of that, it, it takes us away from relationships. Even when we spend time with people, we're taking out our phone. 
I misquoted a statistic last week and said that the average teenager texts 3,000 times a day. It's actually 3,000 times a month. Um, I had to look that up because that seemed a little high, and it was. But that's still pretty crazy. That's almost 100 times a day the average teenager is texting. All these messages are coming in all the time and distracting us. Sometimes even when we're with people, we feel disconnected to them. Have you ever felt that way? That's what our society is like. There's even some studies on teenagers. Teenagers and college students, young adults, are dating less. Why? Because they say they're too busy. There's too much going on. I don't have time to go on a date. We got, we're too busy, we're too distracted, and it's taking us away from the relationships we need in life. Not just dating, but our friends, our community, even our church. We're so busy, so distracted. We need community. So how do we combat that? How do we find the community we need? And that is such an important thing. We do need it. Last week, our first message in this series talked about how important it is for those to have those relationships in our lives. So if you missed that, you can subscribe right online. You can go back and listen to that message. But we talked about a lot of the studies that have been done on our technological connectedness, which is leading to our isolation and loneliness. It's especially bad here in Denver because we are the second best place to live in the country. Praise God. But we're also the third most lonely place to live in the country. I think those kind of go hand in hand because you move away from your friends and your family. You don't know anybody here. You're disconnected. We need these relationships. And what we looked at some of the statistics were that if you are disconnected and isolated, it's really bad for you, even your health. It leads to higher stress. Um, your mood is worse. You're not as happy. And it's really bad for your physical health. It's really bad for your physical health because it ca- can cause long-term health issues. It leads to a lower immune system. So you get sick more if you're lonely. It, it's the equivalent, doctors say, of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And over half of the people in our nation report being lonely. It's a big problem that we need to address. So that's why loneliness is bad. That's why we need community, because community actually reverses a lot of those things. When you're in community with people, you actually have a more positive outcome on life. You have a better mood, higher self-esteem. Your health is better. Just by being around other people, you're more likely to exercise and eat better which in turn helps you be healthier, uh, last longer, you recover quicker from illnesses. There's so many great benefits about being in community. And there's that longing in your heart, right? We long to belong. So that's why we need community, don't we? We need it. We need to fight the distraction, fight the busyness that we are all experiencing in our culture and turn to the relationships we need in our lives. That's what we're going to be doing in this series. And today we're going to learn a very simple message because you've got to just show up. Pretty simple, right? But you need to show up. The busyness and distraction is getting you away from showing up. And I want to challenge you today to do that very, very simple thing, to show up. Now, this is so important. I don't know. You probably heard the story about the woman that moved to the United States from from Asia, and, and she was just observing people, trying to figure out how people in, in the United States greet one another. And she realized that this is how you say hello. You say, hi, I'm busy. You heard that story before? That's what we do, right? Hi, I'm busy. We're all so busy, aren't we? We're so distracted by all the things going on. There is a really interesting article that came out in 2016 by Andrew Solomon, and he's a blogger, and he writes tons of articles, and he was always online, always connected. And he wrote about his experience because it completely destroyed him. He said that the new epidemic of distraction is our civilization's specific weakness. 
and its threat is not so much to our minds, even as they shapeshift under the pressure. Did you know your brains get rewired because of our technology? But he said it's worse than that. The threat is to our souls at this rate. If the noise does not relent, we might even forget we have any souls, that is. This is impacting our souls. And this is someone who, as far as I know, isn't even a believer. But he can say this, and he says, ah, just the technology, the distraction, it's destroying our relationships. We're so isolated and lonely, and we become anxious and depressed. We have so many distractions, so much busyness. It's destroying our souls. Well, what's the antidote? Show up. The basic thing. Last week, we learned that you actually have to look up. And what we learned is that a lot of us feel lonely. A lot of us feel disconnected. And what we need to do first, you remember what we need to do first? Is to find the Father and his family. That was our big idea last week. We need to find the Father and his family because we learned that God in heaven is a father to the fatherless. He's a defender of widows. He takes people who are lonely, it said in the passage, and puts them in families. He cares about people who are lonely. He cares about our need for longing and belonging that we have in our soul. That we need just friends, right? Give me some friends. God sees that and he wants us to have friends. And first we need to find the Father. Someone who loves us and accepts us and cares about us. Cares about us so much that he sends his own son to die on a cross to be isolated, kicked out of the community, killed outside the city so that we could be adopted into the family. Did you know that's what happened through the cross? Jesus makes a way so that we can have the community that we're going to be talking about today and in our series. Jesus' death on the cross gives us grace so that no matter who we are and how far we've fallen, no matter what we've done, we can be brought back into this family, forgiven, accepted, and accepted by other people around us. And that's why the second part was, and his family, because it said in our passage, Psalm 68, that the Father takes the lonely and sets them in families. He says, you got a relationship with me now, and you need a relationship with others. And we talked about how the best place to find those relationships is here in the church because there are people who share your values, who care about you, who love you, and will accept you no matter who you are or what you've done. That's good news. So we need the Father and His family. So that was the foundational lesson we learned last week. And what we're going to learn today is not only do we need to look up from our phones to look up to God, do we need to look up to the people around us in relationship, but we've also got to just show up. It's a pretty simple thing, but we've got to show up if we want to have that longing for belonging filled. So we're going to look at two verses again today, very simple, zeroing in on these two verses, and we're going, we're getting into the details of it, right? And we're getting out the magnifying lens, looking at these verses. So if you have a Bible, open with me to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to look at just verses 24 and 25. If you've looked at these verses before, maybe you need to memorize them because they're so important and we so forget how important they are. So I'm going to read those two verses to you. And you can follow along in your Bible or on the screen or, yes, on your phone. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, it says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Pretty simple. This passage before this talks a lot about the grace of God, that he welcomes us into his presence. And he says, you've been welcomed, you've been forgiven, you have grace now in your life. So therefore, show up. That's my paraphrase of the passage. Show up. You need other people, especially the people that you have in the community of Christ. Not giving up meeting together. Just focus there on the beginning of verse 25. Not giving up meeting together. Why? 
because we naturally stop meeting together. We get busy. We get distracted even more so today than maybe ever. It's very easy to fall out of the habit of going to church, isn't it? To being in a community of people that you share faith with. It's so easy to just stop going. So many things that are fighting for our time. But we need to say, hey, I'm, I'm going to stop giving up meeting together. Now, this is important that this passage is so much. This is, it's a really rich passage if you read beforehand. It's all about the grace of God. Beautiful, amazing grace of God. Jesus Christ died for you to make the way so that you can enter the presence of God. Incredible. And then it says, so show up. And I say that that's important because often we emphasize grace. And grace is the most important thing. It sets us apart as Christians from every other religion in the entire world. Grace is amazing, abundant, beautiful, marvelous. And grace teaches us that we do not need to do a single thing to be saved and forgiven by God. That's what grace is. Jesus did everything for you. You just need to accept it. Beautiful, powerful, I love it. But I've often heard saying, oh, because you're saved by grace, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, memorize those verses too. Therefore, you don't even have to go to church to be saved. Well, guess what? That's true. It's true. You don't have to do anything to be saved. You don't even have to come to church. Please don't leave right now. You don't have to do anything, right? And we emphasize that so much. You don't even have to go to church. So we think, hey, you don't have to go to church to become a Christian. Well, that is true. But I heard another pastor, Kent Hughes, say, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, and you don't have to go home to be married. Right? You don't have to. You put on the rings. You said the vows. The pastor blessed it. Before God and these witnesses, you signed the paper. You don't ever have to go home again, right? You can take whatever job and work assignment you want. You can travel the world over, never be home, never make a phone call. When you do come home, say, oh, i got work to do. And Saturday morning, I'm going to be golfing five hours with my buddies, and then afterwards we're going to hit the 19th hole. So I may be home sometime around dinner, but don't count on it. What happens if you do that? The relationship deteriorates and crumbles, doesn't it? You can do that and be married. <laughs> John can stay married pretty long, right? Okay, you can do that, but it's not good. You're missing out, too, on all the benefits of being married. Marriage is a good thing, right? It's a blessed thing by God. He created it for us. And it's amazing that when you have a relationship, you can talk with your partner, you can love them, you can go on dates, you can hang out, you can cuddle, you can spoon, you can do some more stuff than that when you're married. Okay, there's lots of great benefits of being married. Why would you throw that all away because saying, oh, we're already married, I don't need to do that? Okay. So I think that's why in this passage of grace, emphasizing the incredible grace of God, it says, okay, and don't give up meeting together. You need to remember this. This is a command even. Show up. Show up. You need to show up. You need this relationship. You need the people around you. You need to worship God together with other people. And we shouldn't have any excuses. Do you know this in this passage? Next it says, as some are in the habit of doing. As some. Even in the first century, there were some that were saying, hey, I'm good. I don't need to go to church anymore. I'm busy. I got work stuff. But actually, it was probably much worse than that. I read. <laughs> do you know why they weren't coming to church probably? We don't know 100% sure. But probably it was because of persecution. I read this um, report from Pliny the Younger. And you can find this online. Just do a little Google search. About what he wrote to the emperor at the time. Actually, it was probably a little later than this, but it was the same stuff going on. And he said, hey, hey, I need some advice. He was writing to the emperor. He said, can you tell me what to do with these Christians? Because when I find them, I torture them. 
And if they renounce faith, I let them live. And if they don't, I execute them. But I give them three chances. And some of them say they were Christian and then renounce their faith. And I'm trying to get some advice. What do I do with those people that have renounced their faith? Should I kill them too? This is the letter that he gets back. I need some advice on this. Because torture and execution was common for those who profess the name of Christ. Ooh. So when you're saying, oh, I didn't like the pastor's message this Sunday. I didn't like the song the band picked. Mm, that lady didn't say hi to me. Didn't even look me in the eye, so I'm never going back there again. These are the reasons why we stopped going to church, right? Okay, this was the reason why they were not going to church. Okay, but even then, in the Hebrews, it says, don't do what they're doing. I don't care if you're getting tortured. Get back in there. That's what this passage is saying. So do we have any excuse? No. We're busy. We're distracted. But we choose that. It's a challenging passage, right? But it's not me. It's the Bible. It's what God is saying. So we need to be encouraged to continue to show up. And we need to do it over and over and over again. I saw this interesting quote, a tweet um, from a guy named Eric Davis. It said, sure, you can be a Christian and not go to church. Kind of like a zebra separated from his herd getting eaten by cheetahs is still a zebra. <laughs> when you get by yourself, things get harder, don't they? You think you're fine. And I think that's why in the passage, too, it says... In, in verse 24, I'm sorry, in the end of verse 25, it says, but encouraging one another. Instead of not showing up, you need to show up and be encouraged. Because we need it. We need it desperately. The farther we get away from the herd, the more likely we're to be picked off by a cheetah, by a lion, by Satan himself, who, it says in First Peter, prowls like a lion, looking for someone to devour. The farther we get away from community, the easier it is to fall away from our faith. The easier it is to stop doing the things we're supposed to be doing. And it's easier to be discouraged. Man, isn't our world discouraging? Don't we feel so discouraged? Man, life is hard. Things are difficult. Financially, you might be struggling. Your, your marriage might be struggling. Your work may be just insane right now. Or school. Well, we need encouragement. I have yet to meet someone who has enough encouragement. Seriously, we need more. We all need more. And this community is a place where we can and should get that encouragement. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in a short little book, Life Together, said that the Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's word to him. He needs him again and again when he becomes uncertain and discouraged. For by himself, he cannot help himself without belying the truth. We're going to fall away if we're on our own. We're going to struggle. We're going to be discouraged. We need encouragement. So show up and be encouraged. You know, I was watching my daughter this last week. We have a little swing that we set up on our porch. And we, we put her on the swing. She loves just swinging back and forth. And she loves going high on the swing too. So, you know, I pull her up as high as I can and then push her hard. And, and she loves it, right? And, and what do you do when you're on a swing? You get the push... And then what happens? You keep going back and forth for a while, right? You don't need another push for a while, do you? You're still doing good. You're still going. But then I get distracted when I'm pushing McKinley and I'm talking with Melissa or one of our neighbors. And then what do I hear? Daddy, push me again, right? Because you're slowly starting to slow down and then come to a stop when you're on a swing, right? I think something like that happens with church. 
We get a big push. We get encouraged. We get a good message from the Lord. Ooh, that leaves me feeling good. I'm going to go out and feel pumped. A week later, you're still doing all right. You're still swinging, right? You still got some momentum. Someone can explain the physics of that to me afterwards. I don't understand physics. But it's still going, right? And you're still doing good. And then you get a few weeks away, six weeks away, six months away, and, and you're starting to slow down, come to a dead stop. And then you're wondering why you're so discouraged and depressing down. Anybody been there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because this is what happens. We still have a little momentum, but when we're not getting that encouragement, the push that we need, we're eventually going to lose momentum and stop. It just happens. We need encouragement, don't we? So let's make our church a place of encouragement because we all need it so desperately. I've given this challenge before, but here it is again. If you think something good, say something good. Very simple principle to live by. But if you think something good in your head, say it. If you like someone's outfit today, say it. If you like their hair, say it. If you miss them, say that you miss them. Okay, if you see someone and you think they need encouragement, encourage them. If you see someone and they look like they're encouraged, encourage them too. Because you never know what's going on. People need encouragement, so say good things. It even says in our passage at the very beginning, in verse 24, let us consider. You should think about it. You should think, how could I encourage someone today? I'm showing up today, how could I encourage somebody? Who needs encouragement today? You should be looking around for that. I want you to think about that. Let us consider how we may encourage one another. Because when we come, we should leave here encouraged. We should be encouraged. And that's why we also need our community groups, because those people know what's going on in our lives. People sitting next to you here in these rows might not. But in a circle like that video we talked about, in a circle they know what's going on in your life. They can encourage you. But it's not just to be encouraged. In fact, I believe that the emphasis in this passage is not about what you're going to benefit from community, though you will. What is the emphasis? starts out by let us consider how we may spur one another on. And at the end, by encouraging one another. Why do you need to keep going to church? Why do you need to show up? So that you can encourage someone else. Somebody else needs you. How selfish are we to stay home? What if someone else needed you that morning? And they were going to count on you. God was going to put you in their life that morning for that word. And you were tired. Am I stepping on some toes this morning? I'm aiming for hearts, so I'm sorry if I missed. Okay? (laughs) See, you need to be here for someone else. It's not just about you. We need each other in community. And what I love about this passage is it says we should spur one another on. Spurs. Do you know what a spur is? Okay, you know spurs and a horse? Right? And that horse is moving a little faster. Sometimes it hurts a little bit, doesn't it? This word is also used in other passages about a sharp disagreement. Okay, this is something that may be difficult and challenging. We need to have those conversations too. We need people who are going to challenge us because we've grown complacent. Because we're talking to our spouses and our kids in a way we shouldn't. And we need people who know us well enough that they can pull us aside and in love and in private after praying about it and, and taking out the sawdust out of their own di- eye, right? Or the plank out of their own eye before they take out your sawdust. Then they come and say, hey, what are you doing? That's not cool. I want to help you. And, and that spurring may not feel good, but it is good. That's why it says in Proverbs that wounds from a friend can be trusted. 
We need someone who's going to wound us lovingly. We need, like in Proverbs 27, 17, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Iron sharpening other. Man, sparks are flying. It's not comfortable, but it's so good, so helpful. We're becoming sharpened by each other. We need to show up to do that for other people. They need you. So it's time to show up. Here's the thing. We're all about helping people follow Jesus here. That's a big thing. But it's not just about me teaching on a Sunday morning. It's not about Sawyer teaching on Wednesday nights to turbulence. It's not about all the things that are going on in Elevate Kids right now teaching our kids. Our mission of helping people follow Jesus is for every single one of us. You too are called to help somebody follow Jesus. Who's the person you're helping? We are all called to this mission together. And, and part of how we do that is encourage each other and challenge each other in our community groups. We, we get to know each other. We get to live life together. And, and as we're seeing those things, we bump shoulders and we start to sharpen each other just by being around each other. We're called and created to help each other this way. We need it. We all need it. So I want to challenge you to do that. And I don't know if you've realized this, because we're all about helping people grow. We want you to grow in faith, grow in the way you're serving people and doing the good deeds, as this pastor talks about. But it's not a personal thing. We often think that growth is personal. And it is, but it's also communal. In fact, you grow the best when you're in relationships of community. C.S. Lewis talks about this in one of my favorite sections of his book, Mere Christianity. He says that Christ works on us in all sorts of ways, but above all, he works on us through who? Each other. We are carriers of Christ to each other. It's easy to think the church has many purposes, education, building, missions, holding services, but the purposes of all those purposes is one. The church has no other purpose than to draw people into Christ to make them like little Christ, if they are not doing that, then all the cathedrals, missions, sermons, even the teaching of the Bible are simply a waste of time. So if we're about helping people follow Jesus, becoming more like Jesus, what do we need to do? Show up with each other. We help each other grow so much more than when we are separate. We need community. Some of you have been swinging for far too long on your own. And you're losing momentum. Now, I don't want you to lose momentum. I want you to show up. Why? So we can all grow up. It's a big idea. Show up so we can all grow up. I think you can remember that one, right? Show up so we can all grow up. It's not just about you. We all need it. We all need to sharpen each other, to spur one another on, encouraging one another. I need some encouragement. Anybody else? Raise your hand if you need encouragement today, right? Yeah. Okay, we need each other. We need this community. And we've got to start by showing up. You've got to look up from your phone and show up in person. It's so important. We need these relationships. They're critical to who we are. Now, we want you guys to develop two habits. Instead of the habit of not going to church, as what was this being addressed in our passage today, right? Instead of that habit, the habits we want you to create are two simple ones. One is to worship weekly. Pretty simple. Worship weekly. When you come into the presence of God, worshiping with other people around you, you can have a message that encourages you and lifts you up. You feel the grace of God. You need that. If you're not here physically present, well, guess what? You can come back Sunday night now, right? 
You can even watch online. Or if you're traveling somewhere, there's other great churches. Just go worship somewhere. Worship weekly. This is such an important habit to develop in your life. And the second one is to choose community. We talk about this a lot here. We want you to choose community. And we have a great opportunity to do that in community groups. Now, this isn't the only way to do it, but we believe that this is maybe the best way to do it. Our community groups, they're starting this week. You can sign up in the back. We've got 16 beautiful photos back there of people that you can join their community group. And if you're watching online or you're saying, Matt, I travel midweek, I can't make any of those times work, we even have an online group. So you can show up and they'll still see your face. We're going to Zoom together, I think. That's going to be cool, right? So nobody has an excuse. You can show up even if it's a digital presence. So we want to encourage you to choose community. These habits are so important and so influential in your life. Have you guys ever heard of the concept of keystone habits? Anybody heard that concept? I first heard about it uh, when I read a book called Charles Duhigg called The Power of Habit. Great book on developing habits. And he talks about how um, there's certain habits that we have that are good, but the keystone habits are habits that actually have way more influence in your life than just the habit themselves. So, for example, one he picks is the keystone habit of a family dinner. Pretty simple thing, a family dinner. But what they found based on studies is that if you have a family dinner together every night as a family, what happens is more than just eating together. Your kids will actually do better at their homework. They'll get better grades in school. They'll be more positive, and they will be able to control their emotions better. Interesting, huh? This will have so many outcomes for your kids for the better, and it will help the relationships in your family. You think you're just eating a meal together? No. It's a keystone habit that impacts so many other things. Another keystone habit that Charles Duhigg talks about is physical exercise. So when you're doing physical exercise, especially um, exercise that involves your heart, um, that when you do that, it not only helps you get physically fit, but it also helps you sleep better at night. It helps you have a better mood (laughs) and therefore do better at work. There's so many impacts about just exercising. It's a keystone habit that changes so many other things in your life. Well, guess what another keystone habit he talks about in his book is? And as far as I know, he's not a believer. He talks about going to church and being in community. I want you to read this excerpt with me from his book. Once again, I don't think he's a believer. He says, The congregation and the small groups are like a one-two punch. You have the big crowd to remind you why you're doing this in the first place and a small group of close friends to help you focus on how to be faithful. Together, they're like glue. Fascinating, huh? He sees that we have these two little habits, and when you put them together, they are keystone habits that will transform your life. There's another book called Transformational Groups, and it's by Eric Geiger and another author. And I actually had a chance to meet Eric Geiger earlier this summer. He's a pastor, an incredible leader. And in his book, they studied small groups and do they work, how do they work. What they found is that if you're in a small group, so this means you're going to worship on a Sunday and then you're in a small group during the week, that what happens is those people are way more likely to read their Bible. They're more likely to pray. They are way more generous with their money. They're more likely to serve faithfully. And it has all sorts of character benefits for the people who are in these groups. 
studies are showing that it actually transforms you as a person. The one-two punch. This keystone habit. And that's why we do it here. We talk about it all the time. We make a big deal about it. That's why we have 16 community groups meeting all over Northeast Denver and online. Because we know how important those habits are for your life. We want you to develop these keystone habits. And I think this is going back to even what's in the scripture. Do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Instead of that bad habit, let's get the keystone habit that's going to transform our lives and our families and our children's lives and our grandchildren's lives. We're talking about a keystone habit that will impact your legacy. And I want you to do that. I want you to show up. Can you do that? Okay. Well, Matt, how the heck are we going to do that? I'm so busy. I'm so distracted. I can't get into community. You told me at the beginning that we work more than everybody else. We're so busy. How the heck am I going to fit two more things in? Well, I do not want you to fit two more things into your schedule. What I do want you to do is maybe cut a couple things out first. (laughs) Seriously. You've got to prune first. I have one tomato plant growing this year, and I don't know if you know this, but if you want to grow the best tomatoes, the best fruit, you have to prune the plant. Be a bunch of small, worthless tomatoes unless you prune it. We have to prune stuff in order to get the best fruit, and it's the same thing in our lives. Some of us have too many unimportant things in our life, or maybe even good things in our life. But if you want to make room for the great, you've got to cut the good. You've got to do it. And that means saying, hey, some things, maybe I need to say no to this work project. Maybe it means I need to say no to working Sunday mornings or Sunday nights. Now you can work Sunday morning and still come Sunday night. Or work Sunday night and still come Sunday morning. That's great, right? We want to help you as much as we can. But sometimes you need to say no to good things. Maybe that extra kids activity you're going to need to say no to. Do you know that's the number one reason people say they don't go to church as frequently? Because they're kids activities and sports. Well, what if I could just say no to some of it? Hey, your kid can even be in the sport and you can come Sunday night now. Awesome, right? But maybe you need to say no to some good things. Prune the good stuff out of your life to make room for the good fruit to grow. So I don't want you to just add more busyness to your schedule. I want you to cut out some things. So you've got to prune. The second thing you're going to need to do is you're going to need to prioritize. There's no other way around it. We make our priorities and set them. Uh, Let's just call it for what it is, when someone says I'm too busy or when you say I'm busy, too busy to a person, what you're really saying is I don't prioritize you. Hmm. Ouch. But that's true. We're saying something else. And I'm not saying we always have time for everything for everybody, right? We can't. But we make our priorities or our life just kind of goes out of control. We've got to set our priorities. And some of you need to say these are priorities for my life and my family's life. I'm going to commit to worship weekly and to choose community. And we're going to build other stuff around it. I'm going to get my calendar out. I'm going to get my Google calendar out. And I'm going to, when I get in my community group, boom, Tuesday nights is off limits. No one is doing anything Tuesday nights. Nothing is getting in the way of that. Okay, you've already set that and you build the rest of your schedule around it. So that's what we've got to do. We've got to prioritize. So we've got to prune and we've got to prioritize. But here's another thing. I hate to say it, but you're still going to be busy. You're still going to be busy. We're busy people. We live in a busy, fast-paced world. And people take time. Relationships take time. There's no way around it. When you're in a community group this year, someone in the group, or maybe you, will have an emergency. Something will happen. They'll be in the hospital. And guess what? It's not going to fit into your schedule. 
You're going to have to drop some things that you're doing because you're so busy. And guess what? People are messy. Relationships are messy. They take time. You've got to put the time in if you want to have the relationships we all know we need. There's no other way around it. So that's why I say don't wait till a better season when you're not as busy. Prune, prioritize, and then just get over it. Because we're going to be busy, right? This is my challenge to you. I want us to all develop these keystone habits. And I know some of us are going to feel really convicted today. That's what the Holy Spirit does, right? But this is what we're challenged to do in the Scriptures. Because we all have a longing for belonging in our life. We long for the relationships that are actually going to scientifically make us healthier. We need that. We want to feel less lonely. We want connection. We want real relationship. And we need to show up to do that. Let's pray. Um, Lord God, this was a challenging message, a convicting message. And we know that your Holy Spirit does convict the heart. And I pray that that Holy Spirit would do its work, that it would remind us. Lord, if it's something from me, would it just fall away and never be thought of again? But if it is your Holy Spirit, would you just continue to nag at us? to convict us until we follow you more faithfully so that we might grow and really so that we all might grow. Lord, we've got to show up so we can grow up. Lord, give us the wisdom that we can prune well, that we can prioritize effectively and that we can more effectively show up that our lives can be transformed and so can the lives of so many people around us. Lord, you're doing so many great things in our church and in our community. Continue to do that. Draw us to each other. Draw us to yourself because you are doing work, and we are so glad about it. I pray that you would just bless us as we go out from here, that we would be encouraged today to follow you more faithfully and to act out love and good deeds like you call us to. In Jesus' name, amen.